I'm a huge believer of not just building a business that you're proud of, that makes a lot of money and allows you to do the work you believe in, but also a business that allows you to own your time so that you're able to do the things you actually like in the business, but also have time to make an impact outside of your business with your family, in your community, and doing things that give you life and energy. And so when I come across anyone who's preaching that message, I want to scoop up that resource. And a book that I just read is called Buy Back Your Time by Dan. Dan Martell, and I was able to get him on the show. We have an incredible conversation that you're about to enjoy. Dan is an entrepreneur, multi-eight-figure entrepreneur multiple times, angel investor. He's become a highly sought-after coach in the SaaS industry after exiting three technology companies within a 10-year period. He's also an Ironman athlete, philanthropist, husband, and father of two incredible boys. I really enjoyed this conversation because the book is not only phenomenal, it's great concepts, but it's very tangible. Here are the frameworks. Here's the math. Here's how to literally buy back your time. So in the conversation, we talk about the book, Buy Back Your Time. We talk about how he walks his coaching clients through a time and energy audit to know exactly what to outsource. But not just that, in the book, and we brought it out into the conversation as well, because I wanted him to share the juicy stuff right there in the conversation. He shows you how to calculate what he calls your buyback rate so that you know exactly when to hire someone. Knowing what to hire for is huge, but knowing when you should hire someone is critical. And then we talk about something that I was surprised that the conversation went to. We talk about relationships and how he went from being an introvert like me to building a powerful network of people that have led to every kind of deal and growth opportunity that you can imagine. Really, life is built around relationships. And I love this part of our conversation as we talked about this intangible missing piece of explosive growth in business, which is taking a risk, reaching out to people, and building friendships and relationships. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Dan Martell. His book, Buy Back Your Time, is available now in stores or wherever books are sold or at buybackyourtime.com. But sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Dan Martell. Dan, it's so good to have you on. I'm really glad that our, our paths crossed because this topic is so near and dear to my heart. Um, you have kids and a family. I would love to hear about them as well. I have kids and a family and you have things that you'd like to do outside of work, even though you love your work. I have things I like to do outside of my work and all of that takes time. And so this concept of buying back your time, building a business or multiple businesses that you're proud of, that we all have that entrepreneurial entrepreneurial drive, but we also get a life and we don't lose the life and the people in our lives in the process. It's just a huge, huge thing for me. It sounds like you're super uh, pumped about it and I'm excited for the book that's out now. Um, But just thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having a conversation about all of this. This is really important stuff. I appreciate it, Graham. Yeah. I mean, buy back your time is such a um, important topic for me. You know, as, as you mentioned, like the personal stuff, like, um, you know, in the past year, I've done three Ironmans. We got a puppy. I have two kids that are 11 months apart, nine and 10. My wife runs a company. I run, I'm the CEO of two eight-figure companies, SAS Academy and High Speed Ventures. Um, you know, I were incredibly committed to our local community. So involved in like, you know, our church and charity stuff, plus, you know, 
the snow, the snow biking trips, like every Friday is like the amount of stuff that people see from the outside. They, they always ask me like, how do you do it? And the truth is, it's like, if people are listening and they want like the quick answer, I'm going to tell them there's only two people that if they want to maximize like the ROI of like their dollar, I would argue that an executive assistant, right? Which obviously I talk about in the book and teach people the whole frameworks. And then the other one, which I tease at the very end, but it's super important, but I want to give your audience something, you know, unique and we can double click is a house manager, right? So I literally have my house manager. She reports to my executive assistant, but the way I think about it is I'm running through the world as fast as I possibly can. And in all aspects of the interfaces between my professional life and personal life, I have somebody there to support anything I would normally have to do myself. Now, my house manager does not, you know, get on my roof and clean her gutters, right? But she has a team. She has people. Like we're at the place now where we have multiple homes and assets and vehicles and insurance and stuff that needs to be managed. She coordinates that. But for a lot of people that, you know, in your audience, they're just like, Hey, it's just me. And I have a couple of kids. Like, it's not that complicated. That's fine. But just ask yourself, like, you know, is it your, your honeydew list? Is it your going to the grocery store? If it's, you know, whatever it is, like there's opportunity, even somebody part-time, like there's a lot of retired people that would love to support families like my mother-in-law if she had the opportunity to get paid anything above minimum wage she just loves people so it's like there's folks out there that would would support you and your family and those two a great executive assistant managing your inbox and your calendar and somebody else in your home helping you and your husband or your or your husband and yourself do uh, your wife and yourself do that that's 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 game over like that's how you're going to get an incredibly high quality of life Oh, I, I love that. I mean, it's funny. We have a friend, um, Caitlin James. She's a big time photographer and educator, and she's basically started to employ her entire family in her empire. You know, it's a multi seven figure business, and you know, her husband originally, and then her sister's the CEO, but then her mom is their sort of in home manager slash nanny. So the grandmother is basically getting to help raise the kids. They're all doing life together, but she's she loves. She gets paid. She's on payroll with benefits to be a grandmother and to be a mother. And it's, it's really cool to see when you win at business, you can have the, the profit to then employ people that can not only make your life better, but in a lot of ways it could give them the, you're helping theirs. I I had a client where he was really struggling, you know, having his wife, um, be open to the idea of even having like a house cleaner. Right. Mm. And it was tough because like I'm coaching him. And like every time we'd start talking about like business strategies, you know, he's like bringing up like, but let me talk, like, here's what I'm dealing with, with my wife. Right. So it's like the personal stuff. And I was like, well, here, here's, and, and this happens all the time, you know, men, women, it doesn't really matter. There's psychology behind it. There's mindset beliefs that have to be overcome. But the one that I like to share with people, it's like, you know, this guy was making over a million a year, right? Like he had the financial means. And I was like, there's an opportunity for another person to get employment. If your wife is able to resolve that belief set. And like, I think if she understood that her lack of willingness is causing somebody to not have employment, that might be the thing you might want to push on to get at least a trial period going. And that was it. All of a sudden now they had, they now have a house cleaner. They now have somebody that does meal prep. They now have somebody that takes care of, you know, some deep cleans and some projects around the house. And it's really brought a lot of freedom for his wife to now go to the gym and have lunch with her friends and, you know, so it brings less stress on him because he might be working, 
you know, all the time so that he doesn't feel like he's on the, the, you know, he's on the bad end of the deal because mm -hmm. he's supporting a higher quality life for his family. That's awesome. Personal question. Do you, have you and your wife, since your wife is a business owner as well. So similar to me, my wife runs a company um, that's functionally a SaaS company as well. So I, I probably have to have her ask questions to you because you're the, the king of SaaS, but um, do, do you, have you struggled with people's perceptions? It doesn't matter what they think, but being judged by the way you're managing your time by hiring people, freeing up your time. Do people ask you like, for example, my wife was on a podcast and uh, with good, with a good friend, super successful, but the, the mantra of work crazy hours all the time runs so deep in our culture that when she was asked, cause my wife runs her company two days a week, but she was asked, what do you do on the other days? And Shay was saying, well, you know, I've, I've coffee with friends or a lunch with people, or I call my mom or I do some errands. Like it just, there was like a glazed eye look, right. Of like, well, and, sh and there was a comment made about, oh, it's, it must be nice to be able to do the ladies that lunch kind of thing. And it was this sneaky sort of judgment on like, wow, you're just chilling all day. Um, do you experience that personally? Does your wife experience that? Or you guys just roll you know, with a crowd no, that no, understands what you're dealing with? Here, here's what's interesting, right? It's, it's, it's even like uh, people are like complaining about their haters. Like, I think because I've just like worked through the, the mindset stuff, like I'm, I, I like do the work, right? Like, I don't want to pretend that I like was born this way. If anybody knows my story, like, no, there was a hole. I had to climb out of it just to start at the same level as most people. And then I had to like learn all this stuff and like, I don't see haters. Right. And you know, maybe they're there. I don't know. Maybe somebody should go on my Instagram and see if I have haters. I probably, I maybe do. I just, I just like, when I see it, I just, I don't pay attention to it. I think like, that's obviously somebody that's in a lot of pain. That's unfortunate. When I hear comments like that, it doesn't personally affect me because I realize like that's their own projection of reality that they're projecting on me. It's not my reality. Right. So I think because I've just like been able to like rewrite those scenarios, they're probably happening and I just don't get triggered by them, if that makes sense. Sure. But at the same time, I've also realized like, um, you know, I surround myself with people that are going to be happy for my success, you know, and this has nothing to do with like levels of wealth, entrepreneurship or not, et cetera. Cause like my best friend, Marty works for the government in correctionals, like He's the opposite of me. And when I call him and tell him that I just like, you know, sold a company or, you know, um, just got a book deal, like biggest fan, super supportive. Yeah. When we work out, we do a lot of CrossFit workouts together, super motivated. So like, it, it's really a, a, an individualized thing. I just have zero patience for people like that, right? If somebody yeah. wants to make those comments, that's fine. It doesn't bug me. But at the same time, if that's the only stuff they do, they're always making those comments like must be nice, you know, whatever, whatever, like you have so much money or whatever. I'm just, I just stop spending time there. Right. And it could be yeah. family members. Right. But usually what happens is, um, I just don't engage. I, I, I change the question. My favorite question to ask people is what's the best part of your day. So they'll yeah, say that that's and then one. I'll immediately reply and go like, Hey Jane, I'm curious. What was the best part of your best day so far? Day. I love Yeah. That. So people it's funny. Cause so like, I think they so know. Positive. Yeah, yeah. And they yeah, yeah. know that I'm doing that, that they that now understand, like, I shouldn't have said that. Mm. So I'm not going to say it again. Yeah. But it's a good speaking. way to reset the standard. Cause I, I believe you teach people how to treat you. You yeah. literally accept what you accept. Like yeah. it, it brings. So like when I do that, I think people get it. And like, yeah. So my wife probably deals with that for sure. But again, it's, it's not a thing anymore. 
I think I personally had issues with it. Dude, my executive assistant back in the day, like I, I wouldn't like, I had a virtual assistant. I had people support me, but I was still managing my inbox. I was always replying. I like, there was no way I would have somebody else do that. So I had to personally get over these yeah. beliefs and, and allow myself to create some space so that I can do higher quality, higher value yeah. work. And, and yeah. And I think, um, even the house manager role, like there was parts of it that I know my wife was concerned that she might be judged by her mom. Right. Mm, and she's talked yeah, to her publicly about this and it's, it's, you know, we've talked about it in podcasts and, um, and it's just because, you know, like we just live a completely different lifestyle. Like yeah. Graham, it's, it's just a reality. Like my life does not look zero like the life I grew up with. Yeah. I'll tell you this and not to brag, but it's just a fact. Um, I brought my dad to, we just moved to Kelowna. You may or may not know like a year and a half ago, my dad came in June. And when he came to my house, he literally, we like walked around the side to the patio. We live on top of a mountain that overlooks city. And he asked me is like, are we going to get arrested? Like, is this actually your house? <laughs> and it so wasn't awesome. a joke. He was like, literally concerned. serious. He's like, Hey, he's concerned. Yeah, Cause I grew up as a, like a troubled youth. Like he yeah. still thinks I'm a troublemaker. So he was like sitting there going like, wow. Dan's pulling my leg and some wow. owner's going to come out and or the police are going to get called. And I'm like, no dad, let's go inside. I have the keys. And he just was like, this is crazy. Right. Wow. That's and so fun. I, I share that because like the more you allow yourself to buy back your time and level up your environment, you will have people see those things and just not know how to interact with it. And that's yeah. fine. Just know that that's normal. And you probably were like that at some point you had to overcome mm -hmm. those beliefs. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, if anything, I just, I just, I go back to gratitude. I'm just grateful that I could be the person that can share this with the world. Like yeah. the, the other thing is, is like, I share it publicly to inspire people. I'm yeah. not selfish. I think people that have a lot of wealth that don't tell anybody and act all humble, they're selfish. You know why Graham, they don't want to tell anybody that money because they don't want you to ask for any, they don't want to yeah. be bugged about it. They don't want you to ask about how they got it. And they think they're being humble. Nah, no, that's selfish. Mm. If you have stuff and you don't share it with the world, that's selfish. Mm. Like the amount of kids that have sat in my McLaren is in the 500 plus range. Right. And I've yeah. had it for like three years. Like I share my life with the world. Right. Mm. Because I knew what it was like to have nothing. And that's why I wrote this book. I want to, I want to inspire yeah. people to think of different levels of, of time and energy so that they can literally live a higher quality life. Oh, I love that. That's so powerful. Well, let's talk about like you, you talk about the buyback principle, because this is the heartbeat of the book is to, to level up in your words and to be able to do your highest you know, work and, and then have a chance for your business and your life to level up. You can't do all the things. And I think we understand that at some level, but you really, what I love about your book is you've broken it down into like very manageable, understandable frameworks. It's not just theory. It's like, here's the math, here's the concept. So can you talk about the buyback principle? You said in the book that there's these two parts to it, right? How to spend the most finite asset your business possesses, which is you, you as the founder, your time, and then two, how to invest that time into what will bring the founder more energy and more money. So can you elaborate those two concepts? Yeah. And because I know your that? audience, you know, are in, in kind of like the, the, the information space. Um, like I, I have a, like my company SAS Academy is the largest coaching company in the world. We have a thousand clients. I have a team of almost a hundred people. I have multiple coaches. So like I've applied this to the business model that people are executing today. So 
I can show them how I started at one person, me, and then systematically applied exactly what I teach in the book, the replacement ladder and the frameworks. I executed it to get to, you know, eight figures in five years. Okay. So I, I share that to hopefully inspire people to like, oh, this can apply to me hundred thousand percent. Um, my philosophy is that if you don't learn this, eventually you're going to hit the pain line. And the pain line means that and, and what I've discovered is entrepreneurs will not grow into pain. Okay. So if there's an opportunity to 10X your business, but it's going to create chaos in your calendar, you just will drag your feet. You won't even say no. You'll literally sabotage yourself or you'll stall. I don't want to grow anymore. Or you'll decide to sell because this isn't producing what I thought it would. Like I had a vision for my life. This is not it. I'm, I've got too much pain. I'm just going to sell the business. So what I do, every client I, I coach with, I don't coach a lot personal, like my a lot of my coaches coach, but like my private clients, first thing we'll do is a time and energy audit. We'll literally audit two weeks of their calendar to figure out where are they spending their time and what energy they're getting or taking from those activities. And then that creates, if you go through the audit, it literally gives, gives you a bucket of tasks that take energy from you that are low value that you could pay somebody else to do. So if you just use that principle, because the buyback principle is this, and everybody should write this down. You don't hire to grow your business. You hire to buy back your time. You don't hire to grow your business. A lot of people hire to add capacity. You hire to free up your calendar. Don't hire to add capacity, hire to free up your calendar. So by doing the time and energy audit, you start to build the focus and buckets of like, these are the tasks. Whether you know how to get rid of them or not, that's a different question, but at least now you know. Low value, low energy. If you clear that out of your calendar and then you follow what I call the buyback loop, audit, transfer, fill, and you learn the audit part, which is the time and energy, transfer, how to properly give that to other people, hire people, et cetera. And you don't have to do full-time. You can do what I call outtasking, right? You can just like grab stuff and give it to people in other parts of the world and just build systems around it. And then fill it uh, with things that make your business more money that only you can do, or even that you can do more of, right? Like coaching, like creating courses, like marketing, like whatever. And then, and then the other fill part is like, um, skills, you know, like most people have asked them like, okay, you got two weeks back or two days in your week back. What do you do with those two days? Graham, they, they wouldn't know. Yeah. Right. They'd be like, uh, I get that I question know. a lot. Would you, what, what, let's say I take Fridays off and I figured out what do I do with my Friday? That was a question I got all the time. I was teaching the buyback principle. They were like, well, what do I do at my new time? And I go, great question. Let me walk you through how to fill it. And so skill number one, if you want more, you, you got, you got to learn wherever the bottleneck is in your business. You got to go discover how to solve that by reading books, seminars, people, mentors, coaches. Then the other one is mindset and beliefs, right? We've been talking about it from the beginning. Like you currently are capped in your life based on a set of beliefs and mindset, uh, you know, scripts that are running. And if you're not feeding your mind and working through that through different strategies, et cetera, then you're just always going to hit this ceiling, right? Yeah. If you want more, you got to become more. That's the universal truth. And then the fourth one, you know, other than like filling it with like doing more things that make your business money today, skills, mindset is relationships, right? It's mm -hmm. being very deliberate about where you spend your time and am I building new relationships with people that can support the future that I'm trying to create? So if you can't tell me in the last month where you sat down and invested in a relationship that you know, based on where you're going, is the right relationship to support that future, then you're not thinking about it the way I talk about it in the book. And that that those yeah. are the four areas to fill. And if you follow that buyback loop, 
audit transfer fill. Every time you hit a pain line, this new level of like, okay, this sucks. You, there's just no ending to the possible, the possibility of what you could create. That's beautiful. Real quick on that last topic, talk about the relationship piece, because my experience with people that are getting into the information product space, the knowledge commerce space, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are introverted and they like this business model because they can do it by themselves in the privacy of their own home and they can control it and they don't have to build relationships. And that's, they may not articulate it, but implicitly that's what's happening for them. And so when they hear this and they actually probably believe you that I am capped, I only know, but so much, I would love to be mentored or coached, but they don't have the energy or the even first step to reach out to somebody and build those relationships or create a network that, you know, at your level, you get to a place where you have so many people in your network that are influential and helpful and then can specialize in a skill that you can text them or you can call them. And that becomes very powerful, right? This is sort of the mastermind principle at large. It's the who, not how. It's the exactly. next Exactly. How do you coach someone who's like, I don't even know who to reach out to to begin this process? What would you say? Well, I'll tell you on what it could look like and then I'll tell you how to do it. Like, you know, every time I start a company, I've built five companies in my career. The first thing I do is I literally sit down and create, you know, this list of what I identify as 10 people that have already gotten to the outcome in this thing I'm doing. So usually it's exit the business or build like a billion dollar company in the category. Who are those 10 entrepreneurs? Then I create a list of 30 advisors. Who are the people, finance, people, HR, legal, programming, technology that aren't the entrepreneur, but they're the go-to problem solver in this industry. Right. So it might be like the, the CRO at a marketplace. I was building clarity marketplace. And then, and then the last list is peers. You know, who are people that are two or three years ahead of me from where I'm at in this thing? So when I started SAS Academy, I did the same thing. I made a list of the 10 people that had built 10 million plus a year coaching businesses. And I like reached out. Right. I share this because recently I was building out a new, uh, sales development rep division in my business and SDR team. And one phone call to Taylor Welsh from Traffic and Funnels made an introduction to the guy that literally came in and built the whole thing for me in six weeks and got us producing almost twice as much pipeline for no cost. Like those relationships can pay dividends. And, and that's one example of hundreds I could sit here and tell you that like a conversation with a person was the reason I exited my company or that conversation made me an extra 10 million. Like I can just sit here and it's all people, right? When you're starting off and you're zero, like I was a, I was more introverted when I started as a software programmer and like I read never eat alone. And I was like, holy cow, like Keith Ferrazzi, man, this is intense. Like you want me to like invite people to work out and to dinners and all this. I'm like, no way. This is weird. Why would people come? Here's what I tell my clients. Cause I, I deal with this quite a bit. Cause they see my life today and they're like, I want that community in my city, right? In Kelowna, literally, I just got back from my founder's hike. I do them every Tuesday. We do a uh, mountain bike every Wednesday. We do Thursday date night with other couples. We do like, it's very, like I have a very rich social life and, um, and they want to know how to do that. So I just tell them to start simple, like maybe once a month, every other month, organize a dinner, invite five other people. And the easiest way is actually like, um, invite somebody else that you know is more like me, more extroverted and co-create the dinner with them and then use their name to invite two people. That person invites two people. That's six. And then just show up. 
And what most people, the reason why they're like nervous about this is because they don't feel what they know is valuable to anybody. That's the reality. They think like what I do isn't interesting. This person's way more impressive. Like I'm not valuable. I'm not worthy of these people's time. That needs, that's a personal belief set they got to like work through. But usually my approach is very simple. I like sit back and I listen to what people are struggling with and what are their challenges. And I'll ask them, it's like, you know, what are, you know, what are some sh- challenges you face recently? Right. And I look and then I hear and I go, Oh, I actually, my lawyer can help you with it. Do you want me to make an introduction to my lawyer? And they're like, Oh, that'd be great. Perfect. So it's not that you need to know the answer. You just need to know potentially a person. So that's why this thing starts to snowball because the more of these dinners you do, the more people you'll know the more opportunity you'll be able to route and answer questions. So like Taylor messaged me and he's like, Hey man, I'm working on this new software thing. Do you have a good lawyer you can recommend? hundred percent. Let me go out of my way now that you've added so much life or value in my life to go like connect you with my lawyer, Joey. He's the best in the business. Like he's amazing. I'm so excited. You're going to be working with him. And like, that's just a way we can create value. And like that to me is, is, is the relationship side. And and the truth is, is like at my where I'm at in my life today, like I work with my, I sit on the board with my best friends. Like I'm on the board of their company and we mountain bike on the weekend. Like it's, it's integrated. There's no, like I go to an office and I wear a suit and I talk to people, business talk. And then I come home and now I'm a family man. It's like, no, like it's all just one. And it's just, so, so maybe people are more introverted and they don't want to do that. But the same time, I, like I said, the relationships today that are going to support the future you want to create. If your future is small, keep doing what you're doing. That's fine. And I, and I shouldn't say small, but maybe it's just like, Hey, I'm happy at this level. Fine. Perfect. You can get away with just going skill set, mindset and higher energy, more valuable stuff in your business. You don't have to do the relationship stuff to fill your time. But if at any point you start asking yourself, like, what could I do? What's my potential? What am I here to do on earth? And, and something calls on your heart, pulls on you a little bit to do more. Just know that like the people side is going to be a core part of this. There's just yeah. no interesting things that have ever been created in the world that didn't have people behind it. Even if you knew the person behind that, there were so many people that supported the project. Like my book is like a community support, like yourself and so many other people. Like, of course you want to have those relationships. Yeah, I, I think this is, it's interesting where, where the conversation's gone and, and where I'm interested in it going at is this people is the common denominator because you, you know, your book is about buying back your time and there's a lot, there's so much in there. There's like to your point so that you can do the high level tasks. But at the end of the day, you can only take your business, but so far, and then you can only take your life, but so far. And I think as, as an introvert who's learned to extrovert, I, I think it, it's hard in that it is an extroverted world. It's because it's a world about people and the world has always been about people. So as an introvert, I think we have a disadvantage that we have to just get over and realize it doesn't take much effort, but a little effort in connecting, making relationships can be the difference in a life that's meaningful and satisfying in a life that's miserable. And it does in the effort part of the example for us is we've been a part of the same church for 12 years. We, we came to, to Tampa to, to planet years ago and, and God called us out of that church. And we, we've been in, uh, we were looking for a new church. I hadn't done that in 16 years and talk about a weird thing. If you've ever church shopped, you're just like walking in, you're like, Hey, is this my community? Is this my community? It's like going on a blind date with a bunch of people that you don't know. And, and, and so we, we, we landed at this church and it's, it's huge. And I've been meeting people who are like, yeah, I don't know anybody here. 
and, uh, and I've been here for a year and they feel like it's just not a great place because they don't know anybody. And I, I just dove right in because I'm an introvert. I know I need to like start making friends, connecting with people. And I've been connected to so many people who are, to your point, no people are skilled in an area. I'm not skilled. My world has opened up just by making the small effort to connect and get in the mix as much as it pains me. So I'd rather just stay in the corner and watch other people live their lives. And it's been so enriching. And that's the stuff that, to your point about integrated, when you have friends that also do business or have specific skills, you end up doing projects together that you never thought you would do, which where everybody wins and everybody's enriched. So it's just very interesting how buying back your time is Dude, also it's, like, like connecting with people, man. I mean, even like my real estate deals, like the reason why rich people get richer is because they have richer relationships. So like I'm getting access to stuff that never hits the market that somebody else who's world-class at something like my buddy, AJ brings to me because he likes me. He could do the whole deal himself would rather have a partner. And like, it's just so crazy how like it just all of a sudden in the book, I teach this thing called the 10 X vision map. And I deliberately say like, you know, the personal and then your current business and then uh, the empire you want to build. And the empire could be like, you mentioned church, like maybe you want to be the largest contributor to your church. Maybe you want to help create other locations. Maybe it's, you know, it could be charitable stuff. It could be investing in other businesses like yourselves. It could be whatever it is. Like empire is just a big word to say, like more than just my current business. Right. And that's, that's most people. Yeah. Yeah. And then your lifestyle, like, how do you want that lifestyle to look? So there's like these four quadrants and why I love the empire side is because what I've discovered is when you have mastery in your business, right? And it might take you 10 years to get to that place or it could take five years. But like when you actually become really great at the art and the craft you do, especially if you're buying back your time so that you can actually work on that craft, then eventually um, you can start to think of the empire and that aspect of your life isn't you working more is literally collaborations. Mm. So like, when I look at like high speed ventures, my investments, my the companies I acquire, that team, those are things that came together, not because I worked harder, but because of the work I did throughout the years to be able to move faster. I've I've literally seen my life change because I was sitting next to somebody. And because I had the space in my head, because I wasn't stressed out, I had my assistant managing my inbox, my calendar, and like have a great team and all that stuff, because I was like light and airy in my energy, I turn to the person. I just happen to say like, you know, what do you do? Yeah. And that person ends up being the partner that I'm then going to go create this different business with. Right. And like, yeah. that's the magic of the empire that I think a lot of mm. people think is this big endeavor that is actually easier. The more you do this, because you actually have the space to bring that attention and energy to. Yeah. That's such an in- intangible, but so valuable. But if you're stressed out in your head, you don't have the brain space or the awareness or the intuition is blocked to even notice somebody that you have the sense I should talk to them or totally. I totally offer something. And that's it's if hard God's on your heart and he's telling you to talk to that person. Absolutely. You should lean into it. Like I'm very, I listen to my intuition because here's what I know. And I told this in my Uber driver recently, this guy named Dave, I was two hours in his car because uh, my other car canceled on me and uh, I was going from Palm Springs to Dana Point, California. And I told him, I said, David, like, think about this. There's 8 billion people in the world and you and I are in this car together. (laughs) 
I don't want to freak you out, dude, but like, yeah. I believe there's a reason. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it can be helpful, but maybe I can. Maybe I can't. Maybe you got something to teach me. I'd love to learn. And we talked. And at the end, man, we got out. I grabbed my luggage, gave me a big hug. And like, there was a moment. Yeah. I just believe that. And, and like introvert, extrovert, like, I don't know, man. I just think like we should, we should follow those threads. I love that. Such a powerful thing. Let's, let's jump into something real quick, super um, tangible for people. I love the way you started to calculate the buyback rate. Like you actually took people through the math in the book. Is there a way you could just break down real quick? Like how, how would you succinctly describe what your buyback rate is? So you know when to hire somebody and at what price to hire them? Cause I thought no one had explained it quite the way you did in the book. I thought it was fab- fabulous. Yeah. So the math is simple, right? Like every business produces income. And when I say income, it's what you pay yourself, what you make as profit or dividends, right? Cause some people salary plus a dividends and or expenses you put through the business that aren't technically business expenses, right? So I'm going to let people, usually that's called like seller discretionary, you know, whatever expenses. Sure. So you take that amount and it might be a hundred grand. It might be 500 grand. It might be whatever. And you divide it by 2000 because that's the average amount of hours people work when you take away like holidays and stuff in a year. Some people are working more. That's fine. But 2000 is a good place to start. And then because I want you to get a four times ROI on your hour, um, divide that by another four, right? So what you now have, if it's a hundred thousand dollars in a year, you, you, you make as income through your business, this asset that produces income, that's $12 and 50 cents. You know, if it's, Whatever it is, 500, I think it's $62.50. And that becomes now your buyback rate, which means when you look at your time and energy audit, anything you could have paid somebody else to do for less than that is robbing you from a higher quality life and grow and more time to grow your business. Mathematically proven. Million dollar companies were not built off $10 tasks. Yeah. Right. So that, that buyback rate grows and it also becomes a game right? Like yeah. my, my goal every year is to like really exponentially grow my, my buyback rate. Right. And then, and through that, then I get to like have more leverage to, you know, I'm at the level now where I buy companies and I, I hire CEOs. Right. So like huge leverage, huge buyback time. Yeah. So, um, but it could be as simple as like, you know, people are like, well, $12 and 50 cents isn't maybe minimum wage in my area or whatever. It's like, yeah, you can hire somebody in another part of the world for $4 and create employment and have somebody great, like for like 1500 bucks a month, like absolutely dedicated to you and awesome. And, and, and give you back like three days of your week based on how your tasks are playing out or whatnot. So like, that's, that's the, the principle of the buyback rate is just to like give people, cause I'm a software math guy. I wanted to make it non-negotiable. This is a first principle. You can't argue with me. If I audited your calendar and I looked at where you're spending your time and I said, okay, well, these things make you money. And instead of doing more of those, you're doing these other things. That's why you're not growing faster and or having a higher quality life. Period. Full that's, stop. that's what I loved about that section of the book is because I think so many people get the concept like, yeah, I should outsource these lower value tasks. And I talk about it and they, they know, but it's like, we all know things we should do, but when you present compelling math, that's inescapable. It's kind of convicting and, and freeing too. Cause it just, I don't have to think too hard about it. It's like that, that makes sense. I should outsource that thing. So I just felt you gave it. That's a, just a juicy, tangible framework for people to hang on to that I think could be liberating for so many people. I love cool. It. Yeah, no, it's, um, 
it's it's fun. A little a little math. I apologize in the book. I think about you know I'm going to do some math with some people and some That's people good. a bit more. Story I think based, I always but... felt like a, a good book, especially if it's a nonfiction, personal development, or business related one. It needs to be both inspirational and practical. Like you need to have the steps and not just the theory. And it can't be just the steps. Then it gets too too beefy, right? Like yeah, yeah. No, my first draft was that, and my editor laughed. He goes, uh, "Let me explain you the difference between a university <laughs> textbook and a best selling book." And I was like, yeah. "Okay." So like, I literally seventy percent of the book got pulled out. Wow. Right to make room for a a to keep it to a normal size and sure. to make room for, you know, we did a lot of research, a lot of stories, a lot of interviews. Like, I really wanted this book to be. Um, and it took a while, man. It took two and a half years of like heavy focus work, edits, rewrites. I wanted to create something that I felt could like sit next to some of the greats. Yeah. Well, it's a fantastic story. One last thought though, before we go at the very beginning of the book, you, you dove a little bit into your, your story and really a turning point in your life. And, uh, you can share whatever you want to share about it. I know we're pressed for time, but there, there's a, a moment in, in the book where you're talking about literally being in jail. Um, and there's a lot there, but even there's the moment where someone gives you a specific word of encouragement. And it's, it struck me like this one conversation this gentleman had with you uh, and how it changed the course of your life. I'm a huge believer in the power of encouraging words. It's under underrated. And we don't realize how powerful encouraging words are because we're so discouraged, but can you just talk about maybe that, that moment in your life and, and what your take on saying something meaningful and encouraging to someone else? because it could literally walk them away from a life of death to a life of true life. Yeah. I mean, my, my life is an example of the power of believing in others. Mm. It's that simple. And the beauty of it is that every human has that power, every person. Right. And we talked about like, you know, uh, your intuition kind of pulling on your heart. Like sometimes it's like, I should tell the waiter how great of a job they're doing. Right. And then you minimize it and you don't say anything. It's like, no, like tell them, tell them like, you're, you're really great at this. You're amazing. Like, I love your energy. Like, and, and just, you know, sometimes belief, cause some, you don't ever know who, who, who's just like lacking that. And like, when I was 17, I ended up in prison for the second time. And, um, we were having breakfast one morning and this, this guy, Kirk, you know, he grabbed the coffee and it was empty. And the th- the way it is in jail, it's like, you know, he goes, who drank the last of it? And I knew I had, and it was going to start a fight. And next thing you know, it's like, fight goes off in the the cell block and like the guards grab me and and we ended up getting thrown into solitary confinement the whole for at the time you don't know how long like that's kind of part of the psychological like the way they do it to like really punish you is they don't even tell you it could be two days a week a month they don't tell you so on the third day i had um the door open up and it was this this guy named brian this guard and brian was wasn't there when the fight happened but brian's one of those those guys like he was kind of like strict, but if, if you followed things, he would like look the other way for like an extra dessert or, you know, if you like had your, you know, you're reading a little longer or whatever it is, but if you respected him, he would give you some leeway. You didn't respect him. There was nothing zero, zero given. So I kind of always admired Brian and just like, I guess just wanted to be good for him, like for him to like me. And he just like opened the door and shook his head and, and he just said, come with me. And I just felt like so stupid, right? Cause like I'd been really trying to do good and, and get out early and get to a rehab center. And, um, as we were walking back to the jail cell, uh, we ended up passing the cell block door 
um, in the hallway. And I was like, Whoa, where are we going? And we ended up going to the next door, which is the guard unit. And he opens it up and like rule number one is no inmates are allowed in the guard unit. Yeah. So I didn't know what was about to happen. So he like, I, and I'd never seen inside of it. Cause it's like on the other side of the one way mirror that, that faces a cell block. And I, I, you know, he, he brings me in there and there's nobody else there. And he asked me to sit down in the corner and I sit on this chair and he just, just looks at me and he goes like, why are you here? And I was like, well, I got in a high speed chase and you know, guns and, and, and drug addiction. He goes, he goes, no, man. He goes, Dan, what are you doing here? And I'm like, like in the hole, like I got in a fight with Kirk and he's like, Dan, he goes, what are you doing here in jail? Because if you've never heard anybody tell you this, you don't belong here. I've watched you stay out of it and do the work. And, you know, you know, you're, you're so talented. Like you, it doesn't make sense to me. And I just, I just broke down, man. I was like, yeah. I don't know if it was the first time anybody had ever said that to me, but it was definitely the first time I heard it. Mm. And because of who he was and he'd been there probably for like 10 years and seen so many kids and people come and go that I just thought maybe, maybe he's right. You know, at the point I just thought I was just a horrible human Mm. and I was never going to do anything with my life. And here he was telling me that like he believed in a different side and that, that was a moment that was like this. I was like, okay, well, if Brian, Brian thinks this, maybe there's more and maybe I should, you know, I'm going to not overreact next time. And I'm going to like, try to stick to myself and I ended up getting out and, and had this incredible journey of personal growth and development and challenges definitely along the way. But I mean, the life I live today is, is a true blessing. And I mean, that's, that's why I have such a sense of purpose and passion to share it with the world to like, I work every Friday is, is my at risk youth day. Like I work with kids in the community. I do talks online. Like that's just a big part of my life. It's funny. Cause I didn't share that story. The story I begin with at the beginning of the book, I didn't share for 15 years. I was mm. huge shame. Didn't want to embarrass my family. I ended up getting out of prison, going back to high school, a different high school and kept it to myself. And, um, yeah, I just realized that I was like living these two lives. Like I would mm. go visit this rehab center that saved my life three, four times a year and tell my story to these kids. And then I would like, go into a board meeting and be in business. And, and nobody knew that this wow. is like this part of who I was and, and what makes me tick. Isn't that funny? The, the most, sometimes the most powerful thing we have to give, we don't give because we're it's in us. Yeah. Every one of us. Wow. I, I love that story. Thank you for sharing it. I loved hearing you share it. Even reading off the page was powerful, but I really believe in the power of words and as you, you know, you're a coach as well. And so, you know, it's not just information you're trying to give people or you're not just trying to solve their problems. A lot of times you're trying to help them walk away feeling that somebody believes in them and like, Hey, you can do this. Like, not only is it possible for someone to solve this problem or grow this business, you specifically can do this. And a lot of times we're not hearing that from anybody. So when I, I saw that and how much that was a catalyst for your entire life changing. And then your wife and your kids and all the people you've touched. I thought, man, just one person just saying something to your point. Maybe he had that intuition. I got to tell, I got to tell Dan this, like be obedient to that voice in your head. that says encourage somebody because you have no idea what trajectory you could send someone's life onto, which is beautiful. 
Yeah, that's been my mission in life is to be the Brian for other people. That's all I'm doing. I love that. Oh, Dan, I have so many other things I would love to ask you. We're pressed for time. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm excited for uh, your journey. Everyone, the book is out now. Buy back your time. Get unstuck. Reclaim your freedom and build your empire. Uh, You can check it all at buybackyourtime.com or anywhere books are sold. Dan, it's been an honor. Thanks for hanging out and sharing with us today. Pleasure's been all mine, Graham. Thanks so much. Appreciate everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I loved where we went uh, as we talked about relationships. I think this is something that I want to even do an entire episode on. Uh, It's so powerful to think about how so much of our growth came from a partnership, a conversation that we couldn't have created on our own. We can't do it on our own. And that applies to obviously having a team and employees. Eventually that might be useful. Even having one other team member can be life-changing, but it really also comes down to friendships, collaborations, partnerships, and just knowing people, expanding your network, uh, which is, it takes a risk. I get it. If you're not, if you're an introvert like me, it takes a risk, but it's worth it. I love the conversation and the book is so deep. It's got all the stuff you need to know how to functionally think of yourself as the CEO and make sure that you are doing the highest level tasks possible. But he gives you the frameworks to know what to hire out, when to hire, how to do it, how to create a vision for your company so that you actually enjoy what you do and you don't become the bottleneck of your business. So check out the book. It's available now wherever books are sold. Buy back your time. It's a fantastic read. I know you're going to love it. Thanks for hanging out. Hope you have an amazing rest of your day. We'll see you on another episode. Soon.